0: two guys two topics two opinions two you talk give me two this is the split story of the day on 97 5 1280, the zone and the zone sports network
1: our good friend chris mannix from sports illustrated lay out some expectations for this jazz team in the second half of the season i don't any reason to believe what they did in the first half isn't sustainable like everybody else I'm going to be watching those marquee games a Laker game at full strength a Clippers game at full strength to see how the Jazz measure up but you know, there's nothing that feels like an aberration there I have the same expectations in the second half of the Jazz that we saw in the first I don't expect any kind of crash to earth in the way they're playing they're a well-constructed well coached team with the right kind of players to finish games I think this
0: Utah team is in a great position to get into the playoffs as the number one number two seed.
1: Oh. oh, The jokes just keep on coming. All right, that was our guy Mannix. He's going to be on the show coming up at the top at three o'clock hour. Long, great, in-depth look at the uh, journey of this Utah Jazz team. Uh, really, I mean, it's kind of from the bubble until the present, but he actually he goes back uh, a little bit further as well. He, he reveals uh, several very interesting details um, uh, about some of the. Uh, smoothing out process that happened in Orlando, and we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more deeply with Chris. And certainly would would encourage you to go uh, read the whole thing in its entirety. But um, one little nugget that jumped out to to Austin and myself as we were we were diving through this thing today, um, Chris obviously he, well he talked to Rudy Gobert. He's got quotes from Rudy, but uh, drop this out there that during the off season, Rudy encouraged the Jazz to sign. Derek favors. And in the piece, they they try to be as nice to Tony Bradley as possible. They, they really do. I don't even, in fact, I should go back and look. They don't even mention him by name. <laughs> they just allude to the lack of depth at the big position. <laughs> and they they kind of tiptoe uh, around it a little bit. But in particular, uh, Rudy was saying he was not being the player that he could potentially be because he was worried uh, about picking up fouls, among other things, because if he were to leave the floor, the entire team came undone. And again, all due respect to Tony Bradley. Very nice young man. remember interviewing him uh, the day after he got drafted. You know, very good college player. I actually thought was better than expected last year, but the truth remains that when Rudy Gobert... Left the floor. Last year, the Jazz were in big trouble. And that everybody likes to dissect the Nuggets series. That was a big problem in the Nuggets series because Rudy had to mirror Nikola Jokic's minutes. As soon as Jokic came off, Rudy came off. As soon as he came back, Rudy came back. Because the Jazz were going to get killed if Jokic was out there going up against uh, Tony Bradley. And all of a sudden you're you're kind of the responder. You're not the aggressor, right? You're matching your, the other team. And sometimes you've got to do it. They had to do it. They almost beat Denver in spite of it. But I thought that's very per- perceptive of Rudy. And good on the Jazz for for giving him a voice. I'm sure their minds were, were alike given that the, the team did it and brought favors back and really gave him a very nice deal. <clears throat> deal. Uh, But the logic there has been extraordinarily effective because Rudy is having the best defensive season he's ever had. Best season, period. But a two-time defensive player of the year having his best defensive season and feels like he can go out there and cut loose and he's not actually hurting his team by being aggressive. I mean... If you think about that, and it'd be tough to quantify and measure, of course, but what's what's been the impact of that on this team? And we can talk about the threes and the transition and all these things that have really, really mattered, but... Maybe the biggest thing that's mattered, and, and Gordon actually references, references this a little bit in his column today that he has up at, uh, at the Tribune, that, uh, that the Jazz, last year their defense let them down. This year the defense is back to where it was two years ago, and they have the additional offensive firepower. And Mike Conley's having a real good defensive year, and, and Royce is certainly having a really good defensive year, but they're not top five because of those guys. They're top five because Rudy can go out there and play his dominant defensive game, and that's what makes this team elite. You know, and there's some other things in there too, but that's the biggest factor. And so, how interesting is that? The Jazz signed Derek Favors, so Rudy can play his game. How how much do we at
0: at Rudy's suggestion and request? Right.
1: How much do we see the opposite in sports where where guys get intimidated by their backups and those sorts of things? You know, well,
0: we saw it with Rudy. A little the bit. last time Favors was on this team, and that's been reported—that I'm not breaking news. Yeah. There was some. There wasn't fighting. There wasn't uh, you know battles. But there, when Favors would close a game, there were rumblings and reports that Gobert was less than happy about it. Right. And now, fast forward to last offseason, he's saying, "Bring that guy back, please." Yeah. Well, and Derek
1: Favors experiencing uh, other teams, you know, was was willing to come back, and he and Rudy, I'm sure, had that conversation. Um, but but I think it's it's interesting because Derek had that. Uh, He was the number one big in town for so long. And then all of a sudden Rudy came and took that role. And the person who was asked to adjust their game wasn't Rudy Gobert. It was Derek Favors. And he did it. And he was a good teammate about it. And he never complained or, you know, he could have... He could have been bent out of shape that his role was was getting smaller on the team as Rudy emerged, and maybe he did behind closed doors. We didn't, we don't know,
0: but he was certainly professional about it. He addressed it publicly, but he never did so in a team detrimental way. No, 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 no. But I think that this and there is a lot more in this Mannix piece that that I did not know, especially of what happened in the bubble between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and the team in general. Mm -hmm. But this thing about Derek Favors and and Rudy Gobert requesting that the Jazz consider bringing Favors back, I think is the biggest revelation in the piece uh, because it shows where Rudy Gobert has come as a person, let alone a player. And if I could reach a little, I know this might be a reach and I'm just guessing and and speculating – But Rudy Gobert talked and has talked and continues to talk about how much uh, humbling he went through with the COVID-19 experience. How the entire world, the universe, looked at Rudy Gobert. And still he gets hate every day on social media about the touching of the microphones. It's in this piece it's mentioned. And he went through a, a huge dose of humility. I wonder... If that doesn't happen, if he goes to the Jazz and says, bring Derek Favors back. Yeah. I don't know. I'm reaching there. I'm, I'm just wondering.
1: Now, of course, uh, Ed Maddox alludes this uh, to this in his article, but it does help that Rudy and Donovan got paid big time in the offseason. You know, we talked about this a lot uh, last year, when some of this surfaced, and even before, really, when Rudy was uh, coming out nine games into the season talking about uh, not getting the ball enough, there was some pressure. There was some pressure on Rudy that he had to prove his worth, so to speak, because he had to go out there, and he was in a contract year, and he had to go out there and earn it. And I, that's, that's not the method I would have taken to, to call out his rest of the team in public, but that's the way Rudy decided to go, and it probably made some teammates really grumpy. But, you know, the bubble experience happens. Uh, f- fences are mended, and uh, the two big dogs get compensated like it in the offseason. Now everybody feels better about themselves, you know? It yeah. probably makes a lot of sense.
0: And I think we did learn from this Mannix uh, examination that the bubble— I think that we learned that the unsalvageable or whatever the word was that was thrown around uh, by, by the athletic, uh, that I think there was more truth to that than there was fiction, although obviously not 100% truth because it's from sources. But I think we learned that there was truth to that. And without that bubble experience, it might still have been the truth. Lindsay, Dennis Lindsay, talked about it with Chris Mannix in the in this piece. And so did Joe Ingalls and said, yeah, this... This really happened. Joe Ingles said there was no part of me ever that thought it was going to end. I thought they would fix it and get back together, and as did Lindsey. Which Joe said on this station, by the way, at that time. He, several times, but yeah. like the next week right when that report came out. Um, but I think that without the bubble, and I, I love that we call it the bubble, but the Orlando playoffs bubble— the Jazz may not be what they are today without that experience, and
1: that's that's throughout Chris Mannix's thing. He he alludes to that that they really benefited from that experience and didn't walk away from it um, uh, with their heads down. They walked away from it uh, really motivated, feeling like um, you know if a couple of other things would have happened, uh, they would have uh, they would have been in the Western Conference Finals instead of the Nuggets, and uh, you know. You learn from your failures, you learn from your experiences, and you go forward, and uh, I thought Chris did a nice job uh, capturing that story. And that, that part in particular about Rudy Gobert encouraging the team to bring Derek Favors back to allow him to go out and play his game and be more aggressive and not worry that um, if he does get himself into a situation where he has to come off the floor, he's going to be losing his team the game as a result. And that did happen. Um Last year, and I do uh, I do agree. I th- I think it's had a real impact uh, on the team this year. All right, Alex Vejar of the Salt Lake Tribune has been uh, busy at work covering the sale of Real Salt Lake. Deloy Hansen, of course, uh, last year uh, was uh, was the best way uh, encouraged by Major League Soccer to sell the team. Commanded, <laughs> commanded, <laughs> instructed. <laughs> His um, team
0: was commandeered.
1: By MLS. And if he didn't uh, do so by the beginning of this year, Major League Soccer stepped in and took over the sale of the franchise, which uh, has been it's been told to us that they hope to have it sold by the end of this year. Now, going way back to the beginning of this story, uh, the Larry H. Miller group was rumored to have interest. Uh, Ryan Smith. Uh, of Qualtrics uh, Qualtrics were rumored to have interest, and then other groups that were not uh, specifically identified. Well, the the Larry H. Miller Group, well, let me put it this way. A lot has changed since that initial report. Namely, the Larry H. Miller Group sells the Utah Jazz, or the uh, controlling majority of the Utah Jazz, to Ryan Smith of Qualtrics. And now a couple of pieces of new news uh, has come out today uh, from our guy Alex uh, at the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, He talks about, uh, first, that uh, Utah Jazz owner and Qualtrics founder Ryan Smith uh, is no longer in active discussions to acquire RSL. Smith was interested last summer and even toward the organization's soccer facilities, but hasn't spoken to Major League Soccer in a handful of months. So, Ryan Smith uh, apparently no longer interested. Uh, But... There is a new buyer, or potential buyer, the name that has surfaced, uh, according to Alex's report, David Blitzer. He is a co-owner of the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. He's interested in purchasing RSL, per a report in Sportico. Blitzer, also an investor in Crystal Palace uh, from the English Premier League, is one of close to a dozen investors approved by Major League Soccer to pursue the team, the report says. Now, I didn't know that there was an English Premier League team named Crystal Palace. That sounds like a club in Vegas. I, not, yeah. Not a soccer team, but I don't know. That's probably some historic franchise. It sounds that's, like uh, a
0: friend of Chester Shadows, actually. Yeah. yeah,
1: to soccer guys laughing at me right now saying, you haven't heard of Crystal Palace? Neither have you. Um, uh, But anyway. I have heard of David Blitzer, though. David Blitzer, yeah.
0: I believe he's either from here. I know he is a member of the predominant faith around these parts. Really? I believe that to be the case. He said he's uh, part owner with the Sixers, right? Yep. I think that's the same fella. Uh, So I think he has at least religious ties to the region. To the community. Because, of course, that would be the... He was born in New Jersey. Okay. Grew up in
1: Scotch, Plains, uh, New Jersey.
0: He he, uh, converted, it says here.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: So, anyway, he's got some ties there. There's
1: a tie to the community, Uh, anywho, which, uh, of course, is the biggest deal when talking about this story. Um, I admittedly am not the biggest soccer fan on the planet, but I do think having professional franchises in this market succeeding is an important thing if we want to grow the sports landscape in this market. And I think that there are uh, one thing RSL has really done over the years is built itself a solid, loyal fan base. They put butts in the seats out there at uh, Rio Tinto, and I think that's uh, important because it means a lot to a lot of people. And that's where franchises ultimately build their success. And so, you know, the way that RSL draws as competitive as they've been over the years, I think that uh, if there's such a thing, they have earned their major league soccer franchise. They've made their bones in this particular sport. And I would be disappointed to see it uproot and, uh, and move. And say what you will about Deloy Hansen, he built one of the Best slash biggest soft soccer infrastructure units, or however you want to put that, uh, in the country here with the with the academy and the facilities and all those sorts of things, he pumped a ton of dough into it. So if for those buildings just to be vacated, man, would that be a roaring disappointment? Not to mention the the good citizens of uh, Sandy City, who would just have an empty soccer stadium sitting there. I mean, that would, that would certainly not be good either. So Major League Soccer has said that their goal is to keep the franchise in town. You never know, because the, the, the club has to find a buyer. But I would hope that that would remain a priority.
0: Uh, a quick uh, mistake I made here. This is David Blitzer commenting in this story about Scott O'Neill, who is CEO of the 76ers, and his, con- his uh, conversion to Mormonism. Yes. So David Blitzer himself, is I don't believe. Okay, yeah, and he's the nephew of Wolf Blitzer.
1: The nephew of Wolf Blitzer. How
0: old is Wolf Blitzer? Oh, I don't know. But uh, so that's why I made that 51. mistake. Though. So he oh. does not have ties, ties. to, but uh, Scott O'Neill does. So anyway, well, that's not good then. That he's that sound the alarm. That Our cell's moving. He's oh, he's from New Jersey. He owns part of the Sixers and the Devils, right? And a team called what was it? Crystal Palace. That that lady. Uh, that team. I mean, <laughs> in Europe. Yeah. This might be. This might not be as great news as you thought. Well, I hope they keep it here.
1: And you know what? If you buy you buy the club, you're buying the infrastructure. In theory, I don't know. I guess maybe Deloitte could charge him rent at that thing out in West Valley, right? I suppose. I suppose he could. Who but who will own the stadium?
0: Still, Sandy City. Still, Sandy okay, City. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, but there you go. Little update. David Blitzer uh, interested in purchasing RSL. Gordon
0: <laughs> is here. I just got a text from Lloyd. Nephew of Wolf Blitzer, yeah. yeah. Gordon is it.
1: here, and uh, just in time for the segment that uh, I want to run by Austin coming up next. But Gordon actually has only taken one piece of advice from Austin in the history of their relationship, and this is related to that. How about that? How about that for a tease? I don't Austin? remember what advice he took from that me? for a tease. All right, we want to remind you about our good friends at Davis Vision. They've got the spring LASIK sale going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out, davisvisionmd.com, or call today, 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.